I think it's a continual process of learning how to just put your identity in who you are and, and kind of just love yourself for who you are and let what you want to do be a product of that. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian podcast. You, you're rocking with the best. You just put the needle. Hey everyone, it's Baladi Ajmali. Hey, everybody, Jared Curry here. Hey, everybody, it's Marissa Pappas on Continue here. Hey, everyone, it's Alicia Powell. Hey, I'm Pierce Lepage. Hey, guys, Alicia here. Hey, guys, this is Tia Devin. Hey, guys, my name's Khadija. Make sure you check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you to head over to the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. And I want you guys to check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you all to do me a favor and go check out the Inner Olympian podcast. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Olympian Podcast with the goal to inspire you and help you achieve the things that you actually want to achieve by tapping into your inner Olympian. My name is Shagun McIndy. I'm a two-time Canadian Olympian, and I'm your host. Hey, listen, I believe that you don't need to go to the Olympics to be an Olympian. I believe that being an Olympian comes down to the way that you think, act, and live, and that everyone has the potential to tap into their inner Olympian by changing their mindset. This is episode 34, and hey, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show, and thanks for listening. And for those of you who've been listening for a while now, as always, I want to give you a big shout out. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all the love and support. It means a lot, and I appreciate you. On this episode, I chat with 2019 NCAA Woman of the Year and current Harvard Med student, Angela Mercurio. Angela is a former triple jumper out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and the 2019 NCAA Woman of the Year. She graduated from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln with a major in biochemistry and women's gender studies and has represented Canada twice at the international level, first at the Pan American Junior Championships in 2015 and then again at the World University Games in 2017. And that's where we met. During her time at Nebraska-Lincoln, she was a three-time second-team All-American, two-time academic All-American, three-time Arthur Ashe Award winner, winner of the 2017 Sam Foltz Award, the 2019 Big Ten Indoor Champion in the Triple Jump, the inaugural recipient of the Rose Bowl Keith Jackson Postgraduate Scholarship, the recipient of the NCAA Postgraduate Scholarship, and the Big Ten Postgraduate Scholarship. Whew. She's also a certified doula and currently studying to become a doctor at Harvard Med. And, of course, the 2019 NCAA Woman of the Year. In this episode, we talk about a whole bunch of things, ranging from identity, timing, making tough decisions, sacrifices, being open to new paths, not being defined by what you do, but who you are, trusting the process of your journey, and much more. This was a really interesting conversation. And I know I say the word interesting a lot, but I mean, all of these conversations are really interesting. What caught my attention in this conversation was something that I just mentioned, which was not being defined by what you do, but who you are. And it was really good to hear her perspective on that, especially considering everything that she has achieved. And I know that I can relate to this, and I know a lot of athletes can relate to this, especially athletes who have maybe retired or are potentially on the cusp of retiring or transitioning away from their sport. It really is tough sometimes when you have done something for so long to step away from it because it almost becomes a part of you and who you are. And Angela mentions that and mentions kind of her journey um, through that and navigating that. And it's really interesting to hear how she did it. And I think, too, for anybody listening, that it's so important to be able to separate and learn how to separate who you are from what you do. What you do is not who you are at the end of the day. It affects maybe how you think of yourself. It shouldn't, but it does. But it's not who you are. If it's taken away from you at any point, it doesn't take away from you as a person. And I think this is a lesson that I'm also working through. And Angela really makes a good point in the conversation, you know, mentioning how it's a continual journey um, through that and working it out constantly over and over and over again. And so I thought that was so poignant. It was such a great 
point that she made and what something that really stuck out for me. So I hope you're able to catch something that inspires you. I hope you're able to take something away from this conversation. It was a really great conversation. Angela, shout out to you. Thank you so much for hopping on the show and sharing your insights and your thoughts. And without further ado, here's Angela. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Inner Olympian Podcast. I am really excited, as always. I feel like I say the same thing over and over again at the beginning of these podcasts, but but I'm really excited to have Angela Mercurio today on the podcast. And, you know, I was actually just remarking earlier with her that, you know, I think the last time that we spoke or like saw each other was about three years ago, I think, in, in Taiwan. Yep, I think that's right. Yeah. So it was pretty... It's pretty, uh, it's pretty exciting to be able to chat again. Um, super excited, super honored to have you on the show. And yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Cool. So I want to kind of get into your story a little bit, Angela. Um, you are a triple jumper. What drew you to triple jump over the other events in, in track and field? Yeah, that is such a good question because I wouldn't say anything drew me to triple jump. I'm going to say I was forced into triple jump. Okay. So this goes back to like me being, let's say like nine years old. So that's kind of the age when you start doing track in elementary school. They start like allowing you to go up with the bigger kids and run in the little track meets they have. But at that time, I was a very tall kid. Like I was, since I was like five, I was always the tallest in my class. Like I just grew really quickly. So me being nine, I was faster than like all the boys. I was faster than a lot of the older kids. So I did start out sprinting because I remember, I think it was, it was in third grade that one of the like old, the teachers, like the teacher who coached track, she um, was like, you need to join a track team right now. And I was like, no, like this is boring. Why would I just want to run? Like I want to play soccer. I want to, you know, I want to do something more fun than this. (laughs) But she was like, no, you have to do it. Like, so like she got me hooked up with like the local track team um so I started just I started out sprinting and then also doing high jump and if you go back to like I don't even know a year that was the nine-year-olds back in at um running at York track so we would have been like tykes I think that's the age group that they have I was killing it you know I was killing the 60 meter I was killing the whatever we had to run the 150 um I was killing the high jump but honestly just because I was like so much taller and honestly probably more developed than the other kids mm-hmm. fast forward that wasn't the case anymore um you know other girls started growing they started getting stronger suddenly I wasn't the fastest so this is where I say I was kind of forced to triple jump because once I got to like middle school I was not the fastest by any means I was honestly just kind of like lanky a little awkward but we still had like like you know in middle school they make you try every event anyways like just to you know, part of like your gym class grade is like try every single event. Yeah. I remember at that point, I'm like, well, I'm not going to win the 100, the 200. I'm not going to definitely not the 400, 800. I'm not even going to try those ones. Dang. But (laughs) I can't run that far. But I remember that was the first time we could ever try triple jump. And at first it just didn't make sense. Like I was trying to do it and I was tripping over my feet. Like I couldn't put three jumps together at all. And my teacher told me, he was like, that first hop, pretend you're pedaling a bicycle. And I was like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. But I tried it and it just clicked. And I felt like I was honestly one of the few people that clicked for at that age, especially at my school. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up finding a new coach who like specialized in triple jump and the rest was history. So honestly, it was more of a necessity of like, okay, you're not the fastest anymore, but what else can you do? <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's, cool. How it happened. that's cool and okay so you're doing triple jump you you do it for a while okay great and then now you're about to um go from high school get a scholarship and go to you know lincoln nebraska is where you did your um, your schooling that's great that's awesome it's amazing being able to represent canada a couple of times as well but that almost didn't happen so i want you to kind of go through the scenario of what happened because supposedly you're not supposed to even kind of be able to still do triple jump or, you know, potentially walk for that matter. So what happened around that? So this would have been around my senior year of high school. 
So like a lot of Canadian athletes, not all, but many who dream of going to college and doing their sport, but might not have the financial means to do it. We dream of going to the U.S. because they give us full ride scholarships, whereas often in Canada, that's not the case. Um, so for me, since middle school, once I knew like, okay, I'm decent at triple jump, I got this. My goal was to go to the U.S. on an academic, I mean, on an athletic scholarship. So now we go from middle school to high school. That's five years of like the same goal. And my senior year, I started getting this weird, very strong pain in my knee. Now, of course, like as an athlete, you know, you know, pain and, you know, soreness and, you know, injury, but you also know, like when something's just kind of like not any of those things, like, so this wasn't something I could stretch away. It wasn't something I could rest away. It like, it got to the point where I couldn't even do my warm up laps at the track. And my coach was kind of looking at me like, like, what's wrong? Like, what do you mean you can't even like jog a warm up lap? Like take a week off, take a week off, come back, still can't even like jog. And then I remember even being in class and sitting, like sitting in my chair, doing absolutely nothing and just having this like throbbing, excruciating pain in my knee. So, so yeah, it was, it was a very strange experience. I didn't know what was going on. I went to like physiotherapy first and they were kind of like, oh, like it's probably a meniscus. Let's just do some of these exercises while we wait for like an MRI. Um, so I'm doing these exercises and nothing's changing, nothing's changing. Finally get an MRI. Then they're like, oh, well, we're not exactly sure. Let's do another one. So fast forward, like all of this is happening through my whole senior year. So I'm getting ready to go like achieve this dream I've had since I was like, 12, 13 years old. I'm, I know where I'm going to school. Um, and like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like move on to this thing I've been looking for forever. And that summer before I'm leaving, so I'm supposed to leave in like August to go to school. It's like July. And like, I go to the doctor's office. Um, they had finally got my results of the second MRI back. And I remember like glancing at the, the doctor's note before I got in the room. And all I saw was referred to oncology. And I was like, oncology, like, that, that doesn't sound right like that's not an ACL that's not a meniscus like that sounds like it's not gonna be good so I was immediately just like so scared then the doctor comes in and he's like yeah well we found this like mass in your knee we think it's benign but obviously just like check the boxes off we want you to see a oncologist just to make sure that like you know once they get in there or if they need to get in there and remove it like if it is cancers you don't want someone who doesn't know what to do with cancer in me. So that was that Two, I think now we're at like what, three weeks before I'm supposed to leave for school. I get referred to this doctor. I go see her. I'm waiting in like this, this cancer hospital. And she tells me like, you know, um, I'm going to have to like open the back of your knee. I'm going to have to like rearrange, basically rebuild your whole knee to take this out. And Jeez. you're never going to do track again. And you probably won't walk for a year. And I just broke down like crying, obviously. I'm like a 17 year old. I've spent the last five years working towards one thing. It's about to happen in like two, three weeks. And you're telling me it can't happen because my knee just decided to work against me. (laughs) And after, as I was crying, she started laughing at me. And she was just like, wow, like usually people in here cry because I tell them they're going to die, not because I tell them they have to quit their sport. And I was just like, like she didn't realize in that moment what she was saying to me because. And I don't want to like be dramatic with this, but at that age and even a lot of older athletes, like you kind of are telling me like in that moment, you, you're telling me a big part of me is dying. Like mm-hmm. that's my identity. That's who I am. Um, not, not that I'm saying that's a good thing and we can get into that later, but she did tell me like everything you think about yourself is over now. And like, that's just how it is. And there was no alternative in her mind. But thankfully, like I, I called my coach, I called the trainers at Nebraska and I was like, well, this is what the doctor told me. I don't know what you want me to do. And they're like, well, you just come out here. Like, we'll get you hooked up with our doctors. Like, it'll be okay. But in my head, the only option I was given was this kind of final answer. So I went to Nebraska not knowing, like, am I, am I going to this school to possibly never be able to jump again? Like, why am I leaving? Why am I leaving my home? Why am I leaving my family if I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do? And just so happens that it turns out they did hook me up with another doctor and he like took one look at the MRI and he's like, Oh, you'll be good in three months. Like I'm going to just go through the side, pull it out. Like no problem. And it turned out that's exactly what happened. Like I had the surgery in October and I was like back doing track workouts by January. That's crazy. So that was that, that roundabout 
type of thing that allowed me to still do what I came to Nebraska to do. There's so many parts of that that's just like, you know, people give you like, can tell you something, especially, I don't know why this always happens for like doctors, which is, I guess, unfortunate, but like someone's like, yeah, you're, you are going to die. Like this is, this is the final result. There's nothing you can see about it. Someone else comes and sees like, you know, the same, you know, results. It's like, oh no, it's actually nothing. You know, you'll be okay in like two weeks type thing. You know what I mean? And that's like, I, I find that so incredible sometimes because, you know, like you said, I think many times in situations like that, right? Depending, and I think also depends on who the person is, right? But depending on who the person is, the first result can be taken as like final. And then that changes someone's entire like trajectory in terms of maybe where they thought their life was headed or maybe what they thought about themselves or the capabilities of what they could do. If they never got that second opinion, things for them would have just ended right there, right? So I think that's just absolutely incredible because, you know, especially when something has been and I don't know what this is about track and field, but I guess any sport, when it becomes a part of your life, like you mentioned, right? It, it is in a way a part of you that is quote unquote, like dying. And like, you know, you're never going to seek. And I used to joke with some of my friends when we were training, like the people who would um, quit track earlier um, or like kind of leave or who's to train with us and stop training. is like, you know, it's, it's like they died. Right. Cause we never see them again at the track. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. we just had a small like moment of silence for our fallen, you know, treat <laughs> our fallen <laughs> training partner. Uh, but it's just like, that was like a joke, but it was, it's kind of serious. Like you mentioned, because like you said, a big part of you dies when someone tells you that you can't. Yeah. That's really good. So, and another part of that too, that I thought was really interesting was, you know, you mentioned a part of you, um, like, a part of you felt like it was well, a party felt like it was dying. Um, but it's really interesting because, because it was so part of your identity, it was so close to like tied into who you were, right. It was like a part of you was dying. And so I want you to also kind of mention and talk about um, not being defined by your, your sport or something like that. And was that, was that moment for you? Was it a critical, was it a, a critical or I guess not critical, but pivotal moment Mm-hmm. For you, in terms of you know being able to separate yourself from sport and kind of allow you to look at you know the rest of your life, I guess in a different way. And yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, and no, I think that's a good question. I'm happy you asked it because it's something I've been. I mean, I've continuously thought about for years because I now don't think it is a singular moment where you're able to differentiate what you do from who you are because I think we're constantly pulled back into that that mindset of like oh I this is my next goal oh my gosh I can't wait to achieve it and like we do get kind of addicted to that that grind and that um we, we get addicted to achievement and we get addicted to that rush of like oh I just won oh I just jumped farther than ever I ran faster I did what I didn't think I could do oh look and I'm getting this admiration from people that, that, that all gives us a rush and that type of addiction. And it's like, it's hard to separate, you know, when you work every day for something and then you get that feedback and like, it's just this, this loop of like these good feelings. It's hard to separate that from who you are, especially mm. when you put so much of your time, effort, energy into this thing. Sometimes you even leave yourself with not much left over to find yourself in. So mm. I feel like it's something that I'm, I'm constantly relearning um and if even if we step away from track for a little like even in this next phase of my life like in medical school now it's like I'm relearning it again and constantly relearning it even so like let's say when I had that surgery and I was out for that so the first few months I was at Nebraska I'm in a new place I can't hear do track I can't do track I can't hang out with my team I can't do any of that stuff I would love to say I just was able to be like oh that's cool I'm I'm a complete whole person without track but no, I didn't do that. What I did was I turned to the books and I turned to school and I put my identity in my education. And wow. I was like, okay, let me just grind out and let me get all A pluses. Let me get 100% on every test. Let me learn everything I can. And it was like transferring that like same competitive nature and that same like wanting to, you know, do the best that I can. I just moved it over to track. I didn't move it on. I mean, moved it over to school. Sorry. I didn't move it to myself. Hmm. So I definitely didn't learn that lesson then. Then it was like, okay, now, <laughs> now I'm back on the track. So I just transferred it right back over track. Okay, back on track. Let me if I if I don't win or if I don't jump what I want, I'm gonna be mad at myself. If I do good, I'll be happy at myself, happy with myself for like a couple of days, and then it's back to the grind, you know. So like I went back into that cycle of like putting my identity back in track. 
And it honestly wasn't until after that next season, so that first season that I came back and I realized like, wow, I did not do as well as I thought I should have done. You know, granted, I had just came back from like recovering from surgery and everything, but it was still like, you still feel that disappointment of like, why, why didn't I achieve what I wanted to achieve? And then when you put your identity into it, you think, why am I not good enough? You know, like it, it becomes more than just why didn't I perform? It's what's wrong with me as a person. Uh. And I think it was after that and realizing how dangerous that was for me that I finally was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like you didn't jump where you wanted to jump, but that doesn't change anything about you as a person. Mm. Like you're still the same caring friend. You still love this sport. You still love training. You get joy out of being here on the track. You're grateful to be here. Like you're smart. You're this, you're this, you're this. And reminding myself like, I'm this whole person. Like I'm so much bigger than what I just did on the track or what I didn't do on the track. Interestingly or not interestingly, that next season was like my best track season ever. And like, it makes total sense because I let go of that kind of expectation I put on myself of like, if you don't do well, you aren't good enough. And if you do well, you are good enough. So I wasn't measuring my worth in terms of my achievement and my whatever I put out. I was, I just knew I was okay. I knew I was happy to be there. I knew I was going to have fun. I knew I was enjoying every moment of it. And like the results showed. Even then though, it wasn't like, I just realized that and I was good forever. Like I had to relearn it again. I had to remind myself, I had to continually remind myself because it's so easy to get caught up in that kind of rush of like, you know, achieving Mm -hmm. thing or working towards the next goal. And now being in med school, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm retired from, from track. I hung up the track spikes, but it's like, you can't just put that identity into this next thing either. You can't just say, oh, I'm a med student. Like, let me learn everything. Kind of what I tried to do at the beginning of college. I can't put my identity in my grades and in research and in all these other extracurriculars. Like I still have to figure out how I put that in myself and I let everything flow out of it. So I think it's a continual process of learning how to just put your identity in who you are and, and kind of just love yourself for who you are and let what you want to do be a product of that. That's crazy. Cause like you're right. You're absolutely right. It is really tough. But like you said, it's also a process of constantly, wow, I can't speak, constantly making sure that you are, um, that your worth is not coming from those things that you're doing, right? It's not coming from the results, not coming from the different accolades and things like that. And it's really interesting that you say that because you've accomplished so much, right? And like you said, you know, you're in med school now and not just any med school, Harvard med school. You know what I mean? Like, girl, like you got the scholarships to go there. You got these big scholarships to go to Harvard med school. These are things that could also be really easy, like you said, to now, you know, put yourself and who you are and base a lot of those things out of, and no one would necessarily blame you for that. So, mm-hmm. so how do you stay aware of that? Like you mentioned, like it's a, it's a constant thing that you're relearning and relearning. So how do you do that? I think it looks different for everybody for sure. And like, everyone's going to have their things that ground them, um, I think one of the first things for me is like awareness. So being aware of like where my headspace is at, where my I'm at mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even like where are you at? What are you feeling? Like are you are you taking time for yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you doing this? And like being constantly aware of that and like so I know when I need to step back and be like, okay, no, let's get back on track. Like let's get our mind right. Let's get, you know, focused on the things that matter, like who you are. And for me, that really looks like slowing down, um, slowing everything down, whether that's through yoga, through meditation, through through journaling, um, even just sitting and just like reading a book, like just slowing down to the point where like, I'm not just, you know, what's the next thing I have to do? What's the next thing I have to do? What's the next thing I have to do? And like on that, like constant, whatever, the, the spinning wheel thing. Hamster wheel. So, yeah, hamster wheel. So for me, that's honestly what it looks like. Um, is is being aware, noticing when I can feel like, you know, myself not as grounded and not as in that clear headspace. And then being conscious to be like, nope, we're not getting any deeper. Like, let's stop. Let's put things on hold. Like, you know, like this can wait. This can wait. Turn your phone off, turn your email off. Like, just check out for a little and like get back down to reality. Like, honestly, I can say like I was really grateful to have had like a good experience. Um with like some amazing yoga teachers over the last like year, like before COVID when I moved to New York city and like just had like some amazing yoga and meditation teachers. And that was honestly life-changing for me because it got to the point where I can just honestly take a nice deep breath and just feel like, wow, I'm centered. 
Mm. And, and that's so important to me just to be able to kind of shut off all those other voices and all those things that try to like take me out of myself and just like come back in and like be calm again. But like I said, like that's going to look different for everybody. And I feel like it's super important. And we honestly owe it to ourselves to find what it is for us because it doesn't have to be yoga. It doesn't have meditation. It could be sitting under a tree. It could be going for a long car ride. It could be whatever it is, but like, I feel like we do owe it to ourselves to know like, what is the thing that's going to bring me back down to myself when times are crazy. Who's had like the most influence in terms of like, I guess on your thinking right now and the way that you go about kind of doing that. Ooh, that's, that's interesting. Cause it's hard to pick one person. I'll say like, for sure. I had like some super dope yoga teachers in New York. Um, I'll say two of their, I mean, I could name drop them, you know, there's nothing crazy. But one one girl, uh, woman, Claudiana, she she still does like online yoga. If anyone wants to hook up, I could send it to you. Her classes are very hard. And then there was this other yoga teacher, um, Esco. He does like some like life coaching stuff. So he had a huge impact on me. But beyond that, I would say some other people kind of inadvertently had big impacts on me. So one was this um orthopedic surgeon that I worked with last year and she just so highly accomplished it would make you sick like just just insane the career that she has had and is having and also just the most humble and kind and compassionate person like like if, if I would go into a meeting and it was like a research meeting like I would just want to jump in and be like oh this is what I worked on this is what did it and she's like wait how are you doing what's new and I'm just like oh like we can talk, like, let's just slow down. Like, let's just like, you know, just, just be human. Like, let's forget all this extra stuff. And that has such a profound impact on me because it was like, even like where you're at and like all things you've accomplished, you're still like the literally most, the kindest human probably I've ever met. And I think it was just such a good example and reminder of what's important at the end of the day. It's not, oh, I just checked off everything on my to-do list. It's like, you know, are you taking that time to connect with yourself and with others amongst all this other crazy stuff? So, so yeah, that that's an example I will take with me throughout. Um, super grateful to have Magna. Looking back, like three to five years ago, did you think that you would be where you are right now? No, 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 no. Even looking back one year, <laughs> I was like, uh, uh-uh. I almost didn't even apply to Harvard Medical School because I was like why would I do that like I would really? never, yeah I was like I would never get into that school why would I apply there um what? hold up hold up hold on hold on wait 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 <laughs> hold on wait a minute what <laughs> oh, never in my life wow but honestly though this this does bring up another point because I, I did have different plans for myself um I, I wanted to go to medical school but I also wanted to train for the 2020 Olympics, which, as we, we all know, were postponed anyways. But um, so I kind of went through a couple plans. But my original plan A was because I, I stayed so I stayed in college for five years. So I, I graduated in 2019. But that was like the best season of my life, like ever by far. And I felt the strongest. I felt the best. Everything was just going so well. And I was like, OK, well, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to train full time for this year and just try to make the Olympics. If I don't make the Olympics, at least maybe, you know, at least go try, give it my best effort. And then I'll go to med school after the Olympics is over. That was my plan. Hmm. And in my very last track meet, my last collegiate track meet, so this would have been NCAA Indoor Championship in 2019, I pulled my calf muscle during the competition. And like, I thought it was Achilles. Like it was like this crazy pop and it like, I fell to the ground. No one saw me. Thankfully. Cause it wasn't during my jump. I was just doing like little warm up exercise on the side. So I felt this pop and I was like, okay, this is not good, but I didn't want to tell my coach. It was my last collegiate track meet. And I was like, I was literally like, I think at that point, one or two inches from first team all American, which is all I wanted. Jeez. Um, yeah. And, uh, so I kept jumping. Obviously I could barely take off of my leg, but, you know, I was like, come on, like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. I, I didn't make it. I didn't jump any further with a pulled calf, unfortunately. But, but yeah, so that was, that was pretty intense. And obviously me continuing to jump on it made it a lot worse. And it was a pretty long recovery, like over two months 
before I could really run again. So during that two months, it was like, I was graduating. I was getting ready. Like, what are you doing with your life? Like whatever. And that two months period of recovery is when I shifted focus and was like, you know what? Like I've gotten everything out of track that I wanted to get. I got my education. I got to represent my country. I honestly have seen more places and met more people and jumped further than I ever thought I could jump. I'm okay moving on to my next goal, which is medicine. In a way, I'm grateful for that injury because it helped me recalibrate myself in a way that I felt comfortable with at the end of the day. But that I say all that to say, like, my original plan was not to, like, be where I am right now. Like, I was going to take more roundabout way. I was going to keep in track. But obviously, sometimes life has other plans for you. Um, but that being said, let me fast forward again. There's always a silver lining because it's like, if I had continued to do track, I wouldn't have had the year that I had um, last year. So like 2019 through 2020, which was that I got this amazing job, um, like life-changing job in New York City, where I worked with a group of women, orthopedic surgeons and sports medicine doctors. And like, first of all, like, I think five or 6% of all orthopedic surgeons are women to begin with. And I worked with like six of them every day. So extreme blessing, got to work with some of like the leading women in sports medicine in like the world every single day, get to know them, network with them, be mentored by them, like truly a life-changing opportunity that I would not have had had I stuck to my original plan, had I been like so focused on my original plan and unwilling to, you know, change that up as like life kind of showed me what I had to do differently. Um, so when I look back, I'm like, yeah, I'm grateful for that injury, that injury that I cried about for days. <laughs> like mm. now when I look back, I'm like, thank you, because it opened up a door that I didn't even know was there. And then also I'll say through that job I got, I think really helped me even get into Harvard because it was like that job was just, it, it exposed me to new things that I think Harvard would look at and be like, oh, okay, she is ready for this. You know, like, um, not saying like I hadn't accomplished other things in undergrad, but it was like the stepping stones that I took helped me get to where I am. So the original question three to five years ago, nope, didn't think so. Like I said, it wasn't even going to apply to Harvard. Wasn't even really going to be a med school yet. It was, was going to be training, but everything worked out hmm. like it always does. <laughs> <laughs> great point yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting so i did not know that and i and i wouldn't have assumed that either had i had i assumed which i'm glad i didn't so would you like say that moment in 2019 i guess or i, I was it 20 i think it was 2019 um was like a you know i guess a, like a turning point like a pivotal moment in your, your life i guess i guess you know slash career now and and also, how did you navigate like stepping away from track and field and changing direction? Like, how did you navigate that? Yes, I'm gonna stop there before I start saying words that don't make any sense. Yeah, so I think like 100% pivotal moment. Like, it, it was it was weird almost because it was like it changed so quickly. Like, I do say over two months, but even or during that two months of like that rehab, I was still rehabbing my calf, planning to come back. Mm. It was like this pull. There's like two forces. Like, okay, are you ready to give it up? Are you gonna keep going? And I was like constantly being pulled. And then it just felt like suddenly I was like, you know what? Like, I'm ready to. I'm ready to move on. Like, I know what I want to do. I know what where I want to go. I want to go to med school. I want to be a doctor. I'm I'm ready for this. But it still was like you're you're just ended something that you've done for over ten years of your life. Like it's no more. You're mm-hmm. you don't have to go to practice. <laughs> don't have track meets coming up like and that is something like I would say now what I'm almost a year removed and I'm like kind of okay with it but it's still it's still strange because you dedicate so much of your time and life to this thing and then it's over and it's like yeah you're gonna put your energy in other things and like you have other things that you love to do but it's still like a part of you that's missing but um I will say that like once I moved to New York and like had that job and everything like it was super, super important to me. And I'm sure all athletes can relate to just like stay physically active as possible, even though it will never be the same. Um, I guess unless you're doing like CrossFit or like some other super intense type of personal training stuff. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was super important to me to stay in shape because it was kind of like that connection I still had to to everything else. Even though I wasn't jumping, even though I wasn't like, you know, testing myself and, and going to, to these limits. It was so important. And I think that's why like yoga became that outlet for me because it was like this way I could 
combine like this physicalness with like this other you know grounding and like calmness that I needed as well so but yeah it was it was definitely difficult um but like I said I felt like once I realized how everything was falling into place and how I was able to like I said recalibrate and kind of move towards this next part of life and and see how it was working out and see how like you know it, it was okay that you hung up your track spikes because now like you're here and like you're enjoying this and like everything's moving along like I think that made it easier for me to be like okay track is over and I still enjoy my life <laughs> wow yeah that's, that's good something that you brought up which I thought was pretty interesting in terms of yoga being an outlet and I've never thought about it this way until you brought it up but you know that connection that a lot of athletes I think have once they stop or anybody who's done anything kind of physical then has to kind of step back from it well, they still want that connection in terms of pushing their mind and their body, like you said, to the limit, right? And kind of pushing yourself. And it's really interesting because I think I'm thinking about yoga and, you know, in yoga, you do kind of have to push your body in a weird sense to like its current limit, right? You have to put yourself in a different position, yep. put yourself in these awkward positions and then kind of like push like yourself to get into like these, I'll say weird because I can't do them. Right. <laughs> <I can't laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, like you have to push yourself, your your body and your mind to be able to hold the positions. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting in terms of being yoga being your outlook and kind of makes sense when you think about it. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I think it's also too crazy too how like in that transition it didn't seem right at the time and you're still trying to like come back and and fight and like make sure like okay am I really going to do this am I really going to let go or or I'm not going to let go despite the fact that it didn't seem right at the moment like you said it ended up being right when you look back at it now and so I want you to briefly talk about from your perspective I think um, being okay with changing direction Mm. and stepping out of your comfort zone so I think often when it comes to changing direction I want to say and and people could definitely disagree with this but I want to say it's something that is often not something you force certain times things will fall into place or they won't you can force something you could try to make something work before it's ready before it's time and you just realize it doesn't work and you might be working on something for 10 years and it's just not working it's not working it's not working and then suddenly it works so it's like, I feel like for me, my big change of direction came because I got hurt. I got hurt and I had to evaluate and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And it's like, if I hadn't got hurt, I wouldn't have made that change. You know what I mean? So it's like, it was forced on me. Hmm. And it's almost like, I mean, it depends on how you believe in like coincidence and how you believe in, you know, fate and things happening. But it's almost like, you know, life is going to move like as you're ready for it to move. Like, had, let's say I had got hurt the year before and I could have graduated the year before, but was I ready to move on? Like, was I ready to have graduated in four years and went to med school, which was honestly also my original plan, my original, original plan. And it's like, obviously I wasn't ready because look what happened in those extra two years, like so much growth, so much learning, so many things. Like it happened when I was ready for it to happen, even if I didn't know I was ready for it to happen. I think when you try to force it, like, when you try to force it, you almost have to be ready for it to not work. Like you have to be okay with that. Like, you know what? Huh. I tried to a little too early, but it's okay because, you know, maybe I have more to learn. Maybe I have more to go through. Maybe, you know, this, this, and this, like I wasn't ready. And it's like, give yourself that time that you need to, to learn what you need to learn, to be the person you need to be for that next step. And I think that's what happened for me was like, So this is something I didn't mention either, but it was like, like I said, originally I was going to go to med school right from college. So I would have already been like my third year of med school right now. So I was going to apply my junior year. That means you like do your interviews and stuff during your senior. Yeah. You do your interviews for med school during your senior year. And then you go, you take that summer off and then you start med school. So that was my original plan. And what happened instead was that I took extra two years. So I was doing my interviews during like that time I was working in New York City. During that two years, like I went back and looked at like the personal statement I had wrote and the ways I was answering questions. And I was like, you are not the same person. Like if I would have went to med school whenever I was originally planning to, it would have been a completely different experience. Like I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally ready compared to where I am now to 
you know, want to really engage with patients, to, to be empathetic, to, to be compassionate, to learn everything I needed to learn, all types of things, skills that I needed and that I learned along the way. I wasn't ready then, even though I, I that's what I wanted at the time. Um, so, so yeah, I say that to say like giving yourself time. And then the second part of your question was comfort zone. So to me, this is something I, I feel like when I look back at life, um, like even childhood is something that you kind of have to just learn as you go, which is honestly trusting yourself. So this kind of goes to confidence, but like trusting yourself that when you put forth a certain effort, you can achieve an outcome. And I think that's what is the beauty of sports. Even the beauty of doing sports as a child is that like you see, oh, I went to practice every day this week or all three practices week. And then let's say you're playing soccer. I scored a goal. Like, oh, this is what happens when you put in effort. This is what the outcome is. It's the same with school. I studied for my test. I got an A. Like when you start learning that and you start like realizing like I am in control as much as possible. I'm in control of what I produce and like my outcomes. I think that's how you start building that confidence and you're trusting your abilities and trusting yourself. And then when it comes to doing, going, stepping out of your comfort zone, it's the same thing. It's if I prepare for this to the best of my ability, I can get something good out of it. And I think that's for me, like moving to New York city and starting this new job that I honestly felt like, Oh my gosh, like you're, you're don't know what you're doing. You're qualified this, this, and this, but being willing to prepare, being willing to learn everything I could learn every single day and make the most out of it. So that at the end of the day, I did have a good outcome is what made that possible. Um, Obviously in that you have to be able to like, you know, fight against that fear and that imposter syndrome and all that other stuff. But it's like constantly building that faith in yourself of like, if I prepare, I can succeed. If I prepare, I can succeed. If I prepare, I can succeed. Mm -hmm. Doing that, like, I think that is reminding yourself of that before you step out of your comfort zone and knowing like, you know, if I, I can do this again. It's a new situation, but I've done it before in this situation. I've done it before in this situation. And I think that is what can um, make that easier. I'm not saying it's going to be easy by any means, but you can make it easier for yourself by, you know, trusting in what you've done in the past. That's cool. So like knowing all this stuff now, when you look back, I guess from when you started, maybe even like from high school and then through your years in, in, in college, what are like some of the, what are three, you know, big insights, I guess, or learnings that you know now that you didn't know when you started? Hmm. Just like life in life in general? Yeah, sure. Cool. I want to say, I want to say like a common theme of most of the things that I've been through, like whether that's like the tumor in me when I was in senior year you know, pulling my calf, other things along the way, times I wanted to like quit track, times I wanted to, you know, um, and, and this is like a very vague word, but kind of this idea of hope and this idea of like, even when every single odd seems stacked against you, it's like, can you hope for better to come? Like, even if you can't see it clearly, can you hope? Like me coming to Nebraska, even though the last surgeon just told me you're never going to do track in that moment, I was hopeful for a different alternative, you know, like even with no evidence, even with no knowledge, it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go here. I'm hopeful that this is going to work out. And then it's like pulling, pulling my cap and being like, okay, my whole plan for the next year is, is over. But it's like, can I hope that there's something else out there for me? And like, even in that, I, I didn't mention this, but it's like, I remember applying for jobs for that year. And like, I applied for so many jobs, like easily over 30 jobs. And I only got two interviews and then one offer and that one offer was like the life-changing experience but it's like through all those like rejection emails it's like okay I'm still gonna be hopeful that one of these is gonna work out and I'm gonna get a good job and I'm gonna have something to do for this year and it's gonna be okay um but it's like that that constant thread of hope and like you really can never let that go because that's what keeps you pushing like that's what's gonna make you get up the next day and, and go do your rehab three times a day for the surgery you just had or, you know, whatever it is that that's stacked against you at that moment. Like you have to believe that it's going to, it's going to get better. Like you have to believe that there's another option. There's another alternative that that's something is there. Um, so I, I know I, I feel hesitant to even say that because it's so vague, but it's truly what I think has been like the theme of 
my life of getting through all of these things. So that's one. (laughs) (laughs) Two? (laughs) Uh, um, Two, something I I think that is super important that I'm learning is, um, still learning, is the power of connecting with people. And I kind of mentioned this when I was talking about one of my mentors and how she was so, um, so useful in teaching me, like, kind of like slowing down and just like, you know, checking in with people, getting to know people and putting the work aside and and all of that. Um, And that has been very transformative for me because it's like, even as we're networking and as we're meeting people that inspire us and, and things like that, it's like, maybe we should just get to know each other. Like, yeah, you, you have a lot to offer me, but it's also like, how's your life going? Like, tell me about your life. Tell me about yourself. Like outside of the professionalness, outside of the athleteness and, and whatever mm-hmm. else we're talking about, like, like, who are you? Like, what's your story? Um, you know, like how much more can, can we learn from each other just by sharing our experiences, not even necessarily just our success and, and, you know, our workout plans and, and our, or whatever else we're doing, like taking that time to connect with people. Um, and, and a lot of times you'll find like people are so eager and, and sometimes almost desperate to tell their story, like to be listened to and to be heard and to be able to be that ear for someone can be so powerful. Um, a lot of the times. So that's something that I'm trying to lean into, especially when it comes to people who I look up to and who I, you know, see as like mentors and people I'm networking with, but also like beyond that, like, who are you? And, you know, tell me about your life um, and, and forming those relationships. Um, and then the third thing I'll say, which I don't know if this really answers your question, but something that else that I've been, I've been struggling with is like this idea of sacrifice and I think it's important. Like, I think when people look at me or like anybody and they're like, oh, like this person has achieved all this. And it's like, you see, you always see the outcome and you always see like the the accolades. And obviously here I've talked about a lot of the setbacks, but I'm still talking about it from a place of like, oh, she overcame everything. Like everything's good. Like da, 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 whatever else. But there's so much along the way that was sacrificed mm-hmm. to get in those sacrifices are not easy and sometimes they they hurt you know like sometimes you can look back and you're like dang like was that sacrifice worth it even though you're from this place you're so happy to be where you are it's like was that worth it and if i could go back would i do that again and and i probably would but it's like that doesn't always make it easy to deal with and i'll say for me the biggest sacrifice was like leaving home and like now having been away from home for like what year are we in twenty twenty? like six years going on seven years. And it's like, dang, I really like haven't seen my family that much in the last six, seven years. And some of my friends I grew up with, like I haven't seen them that much. And it's like, I'll never get that time back. And it's like, but here I am, look at all this I've accomplished, but at what cost, you know? And like I said, I'm super grateful. And like, I, I honestly would do it again, but like, I think we have to like be realistic with the things that we give up and how sometimes they hurt to give them up to achieve what we're achieving. Um, and, and even to be prepared for that. Like if someone would have told me like, you know, you're, you're really going to look back and miss your family. Like I maybe would have like taken more care and been like, you know, every break I'm going home or like this, this, and this, like been more proactive about that. But, um, but yeah, I think it's important to also talk about the sacrifices and the things that are like super hard to give up along the way. Yeah, that's really important. And I didn't, um, I didn't think about it like that before either. The last part sacrifice of like, you know, even preparing for the sacrifices, mm. because I think, like you said, you know, we get to these places and we accomplish these things and people are like, wow, you know, it's, it's all, it's all great. And you're right. It's all great because we're here now. <laughs> right. So, I mean, if it wasn't, then it, people will probably look at it a bit different. And at the same time, even though we're in like these places, when we look back and we're, you know, assessing how we got there. Right. Yeah, there were some really big sacrifices that did have to be made. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned, we probably would do the same thing all over again, but even preparing for them also kind of puts you in a different mindset in terms of how to approach it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's really good because I, I I definitely didn't, um, I think I kind of knew that, but I didn't, it didn't hit me the way it hit me today. So I think mm-hmm. that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. One thing I thought was really interesting that you mentioned, like in terms of your three things, 
when when you mentioned hope, um, I guess it kind of ties into sacrifice too a little bit. But I want to say some athletes are predisposed. Like we're we're kind of predisposed to hope. Mm. I think as athletes, and maybe I might be generalizing, and I probably am. But like like you mentioned, you know, like I'm injured, but you know, I'm going to come back from it. Like I I'm going to come back from it. You know, stronger, better. You know, X, Y, and Z. Right. That's like the hope that we have that we'll come back from it to be able to continue to play. Right. So we're almost like you were. Yeah, predisposed to like to hoping for the good in situations, right? I thought that was pretty interesting because I think somebody could probably be listening and be like, "Yeah, of course, you know, like hope for things to get better." And can you hope when you can't even believe and all that stuff? But it's really important to do that. And so you 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 mentioned it, but how how do you do it? And how would you, I guess, talk to somebody who wasn't really big on on hope and hoping for things to happen? Mm. And, and that's, um, that's why it was hard for me to even say it because it does sound kind of so like, it sounds so obvious. Like, <laughs> of course you have to hope for something. Um, but honestly, I think the best evidence for hope for anybody is to just be like someone in a tough situation, like today and not sure how they're going to get through whatever they're facing. It's like, well, how did you get here? You know, like, how did you get here today? Because mm. I'm sure you went through something. You might, you, I'm sure you didn't go through the exact same thing, but you went through something before and you're on the other side of it. So it's like, look at your past. Like, look at what you've been through. Look at what you've already overcome. And it's like, why is this any different? Like at that time, you didn't know how you're going to get through it, but you did. Mm. It didn't seem like there was a clear path and it probably wasn't a clear path. There's probably some loops and turns and whatever along the way, but you made it through. So it's like, how can you look back, reflect, see what skills you use in the past, see what happened in the past in, and how can you, you put that to the now? And like, often that's not easy, but you know, maybe with that reminder, maybe with, you know, being conscious of it, like, Oh, I've been here before. Like I, I did it before I can do it again. Um, because at the, in the, in the moment, it's easy to get caught up in, in the current experience, but it's like, what have I learned before? And like, what can I use now? So honestly, that's what I would, that's what I would say. And I think that's what I do with myself too, is like, you've been here before. Maybe it looked different, but you've been in this kind of situation where you needed hope before and use that. Yeah, that's good. You're right. I was thinking about that. Even like, as you're talking, like, yeah, you're right. That's a really good way to, to put it. I mean, shoot. I know I've been in some situations before that have been uh, not the best, not pretty at all for that matter. And yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm obviously talking from my own, like kind of biased perspective here, but yeah, if you made it through one thing and you didn't know how you're going to make it, well, then you'll be able to do it again. I think that's, that's really key in terms of like, like you mentioned, hope is like, if you did it once, you, you really can do it again. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Looking back, would you change anything? If you could do it all over again, in terms of how you got to where you are right now, would you change anything? Would you have done anything different? When I look back, I think I being where I am, I wouldn't change anything about the kind of process, like whether that's through like track and through academics and, and school and everything else. Like I feel like I wouldn't change anything about that. But if I could go back, I think I would invest more in relationships, whether it's like I'm, I'm super grateful. I have like amazing friends, like from all kind of walks of of life thus far. But it's like I would even want to go and invest more in those relationships. And and kind of I alluded to earlier, but like more in like people I look up to relationships, like whether it was teachers or people I was working with, coaches, everybody like invest more in those relationships in that current time I was in. Because often I felt like this goes back to sacrifice again too. But like when you have so many things on your plate certain things get pushed to the side. And often it's, usually it's sleep. Sleep goes first. But um, <laughs> but other than that, it's like, sometimes it's just like having fun and like, you know, kicking it with people like that. That one goes pretty quickly too. Like when, you, when you're super busy, um, like, you know, you see your teammates because you train with them all the time and you guys are on the same schedule. That's easy. But it's like other people, it's, it's hard sometimes like to, to really invest that time. So I think if I would go back, like, I wouldn't change anything about the process because I'm happy to be where I am right now. And I'm, I'm excited for like what's to come, but I would go back and be like, invest a little more time, like a little less sacrifice of like the relationship that I didn't get to fully 
you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like fully build, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Like invest in the, and it's, at least I hope I think I know what you mean. Um, like invest in the, those relationships that, or like put a bit more time into relationships that you, that maybe seemed insignificant, but now kind of seem like, you know, a bit more, I guess, hold yeah, more, a bit more weight. Does that kind of make sense? That's exactly what I mean. Like the ones like at the time are like, okay, well, I'm going I'm to invest in like, you know, I got my, my best friends over here. I got this group of people, I got this group of people. But then it's like, I don't really have time for like, to really work on these relationships. But then you look back, you're like, dang, like I could have really got to know this person. Like this person was super dope. Like, and it's like, when we are, will our paths ever cross again? So yeah, I would, I would go back and, and, and really like take advantage of, of time to invest in more with more people. Interesting. Do you think like, this is rent, like, do you think you can't like do that now? With people in my past? Yeah. I think I could, but even as you move forward, there's like new people, you know, <laughs> like that's not bad, but it's like now, now I'm in med school and like, you know, we, we just started and you're in a class of like over a hundred people all doing the same things. It's like being on a hundred person team, <laughs> which is a lot, a lot of teammates to have, <laughs> but, um, and now there's like new doctors, new teachers, new people in my life. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I see where you're getting at. I think, I think it's possible, but I think it would be even harder. I think it would have been easier to do it in the moment. And I think that's something that I want to be more conscious of in this phase of life is like, as, as I get in these new relationships, like let's work on them as we're here, you know, mm. now you see what it's like looking back and you're like, dang, I wish I would have spent more time. Like, okay, let's try that in this phase of life and see how it works. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So ask everybody. So if you were to go back in time and talk to a younger version of yourself, I'd say like a young Angela, like a high school Angela, mm-hmm. um, and tell her one, one piece of advice. So you find a time machine, you're able to travel back in time. You see a younger self and you have like a minute essentially to talk to her, like 60 seconds to say one thing to her. What would that one thing be? Hmm. So, okay. So if I could go back to high school, Angela, and tell her something, I think I would tell her to... <laughs> I mean, she would probably get mad at me, but I would probably tell her, relax. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would probably say, you know, relax, like have fun and like trust me on this since I'm you. Like just enjoy each day because I feel like a lot of the worry and maybe not so much in high school, but I'm sure like towards maybe later on in high school, like maybe like 11th and 12th grade, I was getting more like, you know, anxious about the future. Like I want to do all these things. Da, da, da. And it's like, yeah, most of the time, the things that are like, you know, kind of holding us captive is sometimes it's the past, but often it's like, what's going to happen tomorrow? What do I need to do? Da, 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 da. What do I want to accomplish? And it's like, I would have told her to just be like, enjoy today. Like tomorrow's going to work out. Tomorrow's going to unfold. How's going to unfold? Like enjoy today. Enjoy right now. And I honestly feel like I'm still telling myself that every day to mm. this day. But if I could have started learning that at a younger age and and been able to be like, yeah, let's just like, don't worry about where you're going to go to school next year. Don't worry about all of this stuff that you truly can't fully control. Like you don't even know, you don't even know what the weather's going to be tomorrow, let alone like, you know, where you're going to be or what you're going to do. Like, like live each, each day as it comes. Um, and, and I do think that's like a lifelong lesson to learn. Like, I don't think we could just flip a switch and live like that, but I would have told myself that at a younger age, just to begin working on that as often as I can. That's good. Angela, where can people find you? How can people get in contact with you if they want to get in contact with you? And yeah, hit you up if they want to hit you up. I feel like social media is an easy route um, at that girl, Angie, with a U for girl, but also available by email. My personal email would be AngelaMercurio7 at Gmail. You could put that in there as well. But yeah, I would say I'm open to anyone who wants to connect, follow up, disagree, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) with anything I've said. Definitely would love to hear from anybody. Sweet. Angela, thank you so much for uh, your time today. I really appreciate you hopping on the show. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your experiences and what you've been through and how you got to where you are today. 
really appreciate it. I think you're gonna really inspire a lot of people and help a lot of people who may be struggling with some of the things that you mentioned. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your day to do it. So thanks a lot, I appreciate it. Of course, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening. That's it for today's episode. Um, thank you for your time. I hope you guys have a great uh, day, great afternoon, great wherever and wherever you are. For more episodes or for any details about The Inner Olympian or anything like that, you can check us out on Instagram at theinnerolympian.co or Twitter at theinnerolympian.co once again. Um, you can also check us out at theinnerolympian.com. So that's theinnerolympian.com. Um, also, if you like the show, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a comment, leave a review, leave five stars. I'm just saying. Um, as well, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that that you'd like to share, feel free to send a message to support at theinnerolympian.com or send me a message on you know Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, let me know what's going on, and I'll see you guys next time. So until then, peace. <laughs>